Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review the Chiefs game and the plan for the upcoming Cleveland Browns game. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. Ah, it was a good run. It's hard to get where you want to get without Joe Burrow in the lineup. So we're back to the bottom of the mountain and we realize how hard it is to get back to the Super Bowl. When we were there a couple years ago, I thought we'd be back every year since. And it just shows that a lot of things have to go your way to get back there. So this season of high expectations that was a little bit snake-bitten from the start is now over. And we're going to have the long, cold off-season until we have Bengals football again. But no reason for despair. We have one game left to enjoy. And then before you know it, here comes the draft and OTAs and minicamp preseason. And come September, we're going to start that climb up the mountain again. And with Joe Burrow back in the lineup, I feel pretty good about things. Ah, the season's over. There's nothing worse than seeing Mahomes take a knee to end the game, to end your playoff hopes, to basically end your season. But you know what? We played meaningful football almost until the ball dropped on 2024. To go into Week 17 and have a meaningful game and play a tough game against a tough opponent on the road, you really can't complain about it. I mean, if you go back to the old days, and I hate to talk about that stuff, but the, the 90s, the early 2000s, there were times where the Bengals were out of it by October. I mean, here I was from February on, anticipating the season, following every off-season move, following every training camp practice, and then the season starts, and the next thing you know, in October, your season's done. We're not that team anymore. I mean, we're going in now expecting to go to the playoffs, expecting to go to the championship game. It didn't happen for us this year. There was a couple bad breaks. The injury to Burrow really hurt. Higgins and Chase getting hurt. Reader, we know we talked about all this stuff. It was it was a snake-bitten year, as I said at the top of the show. But you know what? We stayed in it for as long as we possibly could, and we had relevant Bengals football. We saw Jake Browning come up and lead this team. I know he, he eventually had a 3-3 three and three record, but he gave us hope because we all know when Burrow went down, we thought it was going to be the Brandon Allen days and we were just going to like tank five or six games and it was going to be ugly and it became interesting and here we are deep into December rooting for this team saying hey you know what we make it to the dance we can beat anybody and we had those hopes this year unfortunately it's over but as I said there's one more game to go let's enjoy that and then before you know it 
Bengals football will be back, and the offseason isn't what it used to be. You know, with the, with the sharing of information and all the, the way the NFL does it, every month seems to have something eventful in the offseason. So even though I say the long, cold, hard offseason, in all reality, we're going to be following the Bengals like we always, always have, and it's going to be enjoyable, and free agency is always fun, the draft, everything that I said earlier. So here we are heading into a meaningless Week 18 game, and we haven't had a meaningless game until the year that we were able to draft Joe Burrow, so no complaints here. It wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Right now, if the season ended, we'd be the 16th pick in the draft, which is way higher than we picked in a long time. We're going to be able to get an impact player. I mean, that could go down. I, I didn't do all the numbers, but I'm sure that could go down to maybe 13 or so with a loss, and maybe 17 or 18 with a win. Either way, we're picking a lot higher than in the late 20s like we've been used to the last couple years. So not only does it help in the first round, but in the later rounds you're picking you know, near the middle of each round. But again, why am I talking about the draft? We have one more Bengals game to go. Let's not rush things. That'll be here before you know it. All right, I'm going to talk about the Chiefs game, and there's some significant things to talk about in this game. And I'm not going to do a Browns preview because the Browns aren't playing their starters. It is kind of a meaningless game for us. But I'm just going to go into what I would do in the last game. So the goal for the last game is to get younger players' experience, to rest injured players and not risk further injuries to any of these guys. And then there's a couple milestones, but I'm not a big milestone guy. We talk about it. I'm not into stats, but I know Mixon is approaching 1,000 yards. I know Chase is approaching 100 catches. So there's some things, and, and Hendrickson is fighting for the sack record. So there, there are some things personally at stake for some of these players, and I'm not sure what the incentives are in their contracts. So, you know, sitting some, if they sit Mixon and he's got a clause where he makes, you know, a half a million if he gets 1,000 yards... That's not a cool thing to do. But if you rest Mixon and he doesn't get his 1000 but you preserve him for next year and there's no bonus in his contract, then there's no harm in doing that. So anyway, here's what I would do. It's a combination of young players, resting injured, and respecting milestones. Quarterback, obviously it's going to be Browning. Offensive line, I would kind of keep all of them in there. You know, maybe I would have your Deontay Smiths and your Trey Hills up on the active roster, Jackson Carmen. Maybe you get some of those guys a little bit of time this game just to give them some game experience. Maybe you don't get some of your your free agents like your Kappas and your Karras's hurt. It might not be a bad idea to sprinkle in some snaps for the younger guys on offensive line, but, but for the most part, maintain your starting offensive line. And it's important because you want to see them gel. One more game of experience for them against a really good defense cannot hurt us going into next year. Running back, I don't think I would play Mixon that much. I know he's approaching 1,000 yards, but he needs 77. And as we've seen this year, he's had very few 100-yard games. That's been a big effort. I say get Chris Evans some work. You know, he's been the forgotten guy. Let let him get some action. Let Chase Brown get some more NFL experience. Even some Travion. I, I, I would say don't kill Mixon in this game, regardless of that 1,000-yard milestone. Receiver-wise, I know Chase is approaching 100 catches and, you know, all the statistical accolades. Do not play Jamar Chase in this game. He was so banged up in the last game. Do not play T. Higgins in this game. That hamstring, you know, he forced himself back into the game in the second half, and you could tell that he wasn't right either. So I would give those guys a rest. I would get Charlie Jones a ton of action. I would get Yosibosh a ton of action. I think that's the way to fly in this game. I say you bring Stanley Morgan up from the practice squad and get him some action as well. 
Tight end, just keep rolling as you're rolling. Defensive line, yes. Let Hendrickson have a normal game. Let him try to beat Watt for the sack title. I think that would be a good thing. you got to get Hubbard out of there. I've heard that he needs surgery on an undisclosed injury, so don't abuse him in there. Let Cam Sample get his time. Get Miles Murphy a ton of snaps. I think that's the way to go there. You know, on the interior, yeah, you play your B.J. Hills and your two bow and your two Feles and your, it definitely gets Zach Carter some more action. So I think that's the way you fly there. Linebacker Pratt and Wilson having great years, but I would get Marcus Bailey some work. I would get Akeem Davis-Gather some extra work. Not that I would sit Pratt and Wilson, but I would limit their snaps a little bit. You go to defensive back, don't kill Mike Hilton. I know he's a free agent. You know we're bringing him back. We better bring him back. So you get Jalen Davis some time in there. Cam Taylor-Britt, he, he was playing hurt this game. You could see that wasn't his best game either. I think you don't play him and prepare for the future. And you, and you let DJ Turner get his snaps in there. Safety, you let the young guys do their thing. So really, for the most part, is you got to protect Chase. You got to protect Higgins. You got to protect Cam Taylor-Britt. And don't kill Mixon in this game. And don't let your linebackers take a beating. Get Hubbard out of there. I think that's the strategy going into the Browns game. But by the same token, let's get a win over the Browns, please. Let's get some bragging rights. Let's not have that 0-6 in the division hang over us all offseason. And I think we can get it done because they're going to be sitting a bunch of guys, and we have a great roster. And even minus some of the guys that I said, I think we could win that game. All right, so let's talk about the Chiefs game for a little bit. So the main thing from this game was that coaching decision. And I'm totally behind Coach Taylor. I have no complaints on anything that he's done. Like I said, he's a great play caller. He's a great motivator. And this isn't kissing up to the organization. I truly believe that. I think that we have a great young coach who's done some great things already. And, of course, it rides on the coattails of Burrow. We all know that. Just like Belichick with Brady. But in reality, I love the job that Coach Taylor has done since he's been here. But this coaching decision was a tough one. And if you had the unofficial Bengals podcast as the coaching staff, we would have done things a little bit differently. So we're fourth and one from the six-yard line. And I know the fans, you want to go for it. As fans, we want to see go for it on fourth down. No field goals, no punts. It's more exciting. And whenever we go for it on a fourth down, even if I disagree with it, I'm excited with the decision because it's so much more of a thrilling play. But in reality, you got to think of it like this, because this changed the whole momentum of the game. Here we are with a lead in Arrowhead, on the road, tough place to play, explosive quarterback and offense on the other team. I know their offense isn't what it used to be, but still a very dangerous offense and a very dangerous quarterback. And again, you're on the road. You kick the field goal. You get your 20 points there. You don't get too greedy. I don't care what analytics say. I don't care what the gut says. In that situation, I thought it was a bad idea at the time. And I'm not playing Monday morning quarterback with this. As it was happening, I'm like, no, no, just kick the field goal. And and I said it. I was like, if you get this, the game is going to change in our favor. If you don't get this, it's going to turn sideways on us. So what happens? They have nine guys in the box. At that moment, it's like either take a timeout, check out to something else. The run that you had planned is not working when they outnumber you in the box. And we had Chase one-on-one on the left. Just him on Sneed, no one else out there because everyone else was crowding the box. What I would have done? I would have done a play. And hey, look, 
I'm sitting here in my living room acting like I know how to win these games. It's it's so much different when you're in that arena and every play and every decision that you make is a million-dollar decision and you're dealing with world-class athletes in, in million-dollar stadiums and the huge NFL entity that we all know. So it's easy for me to say, hey, I would have done this. But in the reality, if you look at the way we lined up, there's Chase one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. You play action to Mixon. We had a strong formation on the right side. We had a couple tight ends there. We brought in Cody Ford as an extra blocker. So if you looked at our right side, we had three blockers on that side. Even though we decided to run up the middle, it was kind of insignificant. I don't even know what was going on with that formation, let's be honest. But you had Chase up top. What you do is you play action to Mixon. You roll out to that side where you have all that blocking. And you have Chase just come all the way across the end zone. And you hit him for a touchdown. Magical play to your best player the dagger in the heart of the Chiefs. Instead, we're facing a nine-man box, and we're saying, you know what, just go with the play as called. And what happened? They had too many guys in there that we couldn't block. The right side of our line didn't slide properly. They kind of, I think Kappa, well, Kappa kind of let Gay in, but it's it wasn't as black and white as that. I thought that Jonah blocked the wrong guy. You know, I, I'm sure if, if I was here with Coach Pollock, he'd be like, you don't even know what you're talking about. But the reality is the line should have at least slid over to that side and helped out, and they didn't. Everyone kind of blocked straight ahead on the right side, and there was Mixon alone in the backfield, and Gay hit him three yards deep. And it was an absolute disaster. And I said it. I was like, don't do this. On the road. Maybe at home. Maybe at home against a weaker offense. You say, yeah, we're going to go for it on fourth down. Because if we give it to you here, you're not going to get anywhere anyway. But this offense, the Chiefs offense can do that. So it was a bad decision. It was a mistake. And we all make mistakes. And this isn't like, well, the coaching staff blew our season. No. The coaching staff enabled us to get to where we got. We're with a backup quarterback, you know, we're within a couple plays of going to the playoffs. So I have no complaints about it. I'm just saying that it was a bad decision. It was badly executed. And there were other options. And there was the way to get out of it with a, a timeout and regrouping and getting a better play. And the better play was the field goal. So that's it. No more talk about that. I know that's the big hot-button topic of the week. I wanted to address that at the top. I didn't want to just go through the game and casually mention that a half hour into the episode. I wanted to talk to you guys about that right away. It bothered me. You know, it was an important play. It wasn't handled properly. But we move on because we've had so many things that have been handled properly. I'm not crying over this. I'm not looking for anybody's head. It was just an unfortunate circumstance. All right, back to the game, the game flow, everything surrounding the game. I don't like having Chiefs commercials every commercial break. Doesn't it almost feel like the league wants the Chiefs to win when every commercial break is a State Farm commercial with Jake from State Farm and Mahomes and Reed, and then you have Kelsey hawking four or five different products. I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't sit right with me, and maybe I, I sound old school with it. But when the Chiefs are playing, maybe you don't play Chiefs commercials every break. But I have to say, not too much Taylor Swift. And I think she's a phenomenal talent. I think she's beautiful. But I just don't I don't like the way she infiltrated the NFL this year. And I was happy to see that you didn't see her like nine times during this game. I think it was only like four or five, which, you know, given the circumstances, we'll take that. 
All right, on to the game itself. Time of possession, we did very well at that, and that's the way you beat the Chiefs. You keep that offense off the field, you keep Mahomes on the bench, and we did exactly that throughout the game. It didn't quite work in our favor in the end, but the game plan was working very well. We had some long drives. We had the turnover against him early. So time of possession was in our favor. So everything was kind of in place. You know, it was right there for us to take. Unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. I give the defense credit. I know they let up 25 points ultimately, but six field goals and one touchdown. The Chiefs could only get in the end zone one time, even after all those explosive plays, even after Pacheco was on fire, Rice is, is Mahomes' new target, Kelsey's a big threat, Mahomes with his legs, all that stuff. We let up six field goals. They couldn't get in the end zone. I guess that's the true definition of Ben don't break. And Chase and Sneed fighting. Chase had some big words during the week, and Sneed didn't like it. And it was it was fun to see those guys just going at it all game long. Chase didn't do what he wanted to do as far as like receptions and yards and, and touchdowns. But remember, the guy was playing probably at about 40% of his capability with that shoulder injury. And I respect the fact that he got in there because he knew the season was on the line. Jamar Chase, you are a hero. Jamar Chase, you are a Bengal for life. And I think we went into this game with an intelligent wrinkle because we have Browning scrambling a lot in this game, and I think it was in the game plan. You know, in the last few games, he was barely scrambling for yardage, you know, just sit in the pocket, throw, get on the move, throw. And in this game, it was like, hey, if nothing's open, take off. And it was working very well early. And then you saw in the second half, it didn't happen as much, and then the points stopped coming. So Browning running the ball was a very effective weapon that either by circumstance or by absent-mindedness we didn't do as much in the second half and teams got some tape on us because the Steelers were destroying our screen game last game and the Chiefs did the same thing this game it seemed like they knew what was coming when it was coming we had a batted ball on a screen we had a couple screens eaten alive at the inception and it just goes to show you you can't have too many tendencies and if you're showing tendencies self-scout yourself and do the opposite, and it shows two weeks in a row our screen game got destroyed. We had a couple successful ones, but for the most part, the Steelers were on to us and the Chiefs were on to us. Unfortunately, that's a credit to their film study and their coaching staff, and again, I'd like to see us self-scout a little more in those situations. Our explosive plays have been hurting us a lot over the last few games, and unfortunately, when there are explosive plays, you know, once in a while it's a corner getting beat one-on-one on the outside, But for the most part, that's on your safeties. And I think Dax Hill has had a phenomenal year. I think Jordan Battle shows that he belongs in the NFL. But over the last few weeks, I think teams are exposing those guys for their inexperience, which is not a problem. You know, that's going to happen in time. You know, these explosive plays are going to get limited. But we got exposed a little bit. And the explosive plays are, unfortunately, the fault of the safeties typically. And we had a lot of predictable first down runs. I I wish you guys could watch a game with me. I'm sitting here saying, oh, Mixon's leaning. You could just see it. It's such a a tell in the NFL. And Mixon's an experienced running back. He doesn't have many holes in his game. Let's be dead honest. But I can always tell when we're running the ball. And there were so many predictable first downs. You see the running back lean. And sure enough, the Chiefs were all over it. And we had a lot of, like, one-yard runs. And that kills you when you're in second and nine. Playbook cut in half. When you're in third and seven, playbook cut in half even more. Now you're dealing with a quarter of the playbook, and you, you know you're behind the sticks, as they say. 
I like the fact that we contain Kelsey. I don't know what's going on with him lately. I, maybe too much Taylor Swift because the, the guy's dropping balls. He's not getting open as much as he used to, and we have a great game plan for dealing with him, and he was not really a factor in this game. So props to Coach Anarumo and the defense. You can see that we're missing Reader in the run game. You know, I know Tufele did, did yeoman's work in there. B.J. Hill is great. Zach Carter's doing, you know, what he can in there. But it's such a different defense without Reader, and it shows. And Pacheco was running wild. I think Pacheco's a great back. And as I said, he runs with ferocity on every snap all the time. And you saw it this game. He, he was their best offensive weapon. I like our use of the tight ends. Hudson has become a major weapon. They found a role for Sample. Whereas, you know, he's a personal protector at times and he's he got his share of receptions and got some good first downs for us. He's done that a few weeks in a row. Irv Smith can't get off the bench now because we realized that the guys that we have were better than the free agent that we picked up and you're not going to see Irv Smith in stripes next year. We were having trouble getting push in short yarded situations a couple times in this game, including that key fourth and one that I led the show with. Game flow, Bengals up 17-7. Rest of the game, 18-0 Chiefs. I, I don't know. Were we outcoached? Were we outplayed? I don't know what happened, but that's really crazy from kind of dominating the game to getting beat 18-0 from late second half on. First touchdown, I love it. Sample attracts the double team. I don't know why they're double teaming Sample. They totally blew their assignment, and Mixon just strolls out into the flat for a wide-open touchdown. I, you know what? It, it's a blown assignment by the defense, but it's a great deceptive call by Coach Taylor and Coach Callahan. Would have liked to see more of that as the game went on. All right, so the rest of the game. They hit a field goal at the 344 mark before the half and at the 35-second mark. So they scored six points right at the end of the first half. And as we all know, that's the killer, and that's the way to win games in the NFL, and that's exactly what happened. So we go into the half 17-13. The Bengals get zero second-half points. Killer. I, I can't say it's lack of effort, but it just didn't happen for us. They come out, Chiefs, you thinking they're going to double dip after their six points at the end of the half. We hold them to a three and out on the first drive. So that coaching and those halftime adjustments came in handy right there. And then we have that huge drive where we drive all the way down to the six-yard line. So again, the halftime adjustments come into play there for us offensively. We have this long drive all the way downfield, and we get that infamous fourth and one play. After the fourth and one stop, they start at the nine-yard line and drive all the way to our nine-yard line. In the next two drives for the Chiefs, I'm like, we have them inside of our 10. There's no way they're scoring. And they had big chunk plays on both drives. So on one, they go from their nine to our nine. 17-16 Bengals as, at the start of the fourth quarter. They start at their nine-yard line again and they drive all the way to our five-yard line. I mean, good on the defense for not letting up a touchdown, but yet another field goal. We lose the lead at the beginning of the fourth quarter, 19-17. Two big plays that happened after that. Early fourth quarter, we're on a third and eight, and you see Browning getting flushed out by three guys, and I see Jonah and Orlando Brown watching it. I know they held their blocks for a while, and then they're just watching the rest of the play develop, but you're seeing three Chiefs hustling at Browning, and you're seeing two Bengals guys, like half walking, half jogging, watching the barbecue, unfortunately. Just not a good sight. Just check that out early fourth quarter. You'll see the play I'm talking about. Actually, don't watch it. It's not, it's not going to be a happy moment. 
the other big play, fourth and one, we have Mahomes nailed. They go for it on the fourth and one, and he beats Pratt and Hubbard. He just wills himself to a first down against two of our better defenders. Really frustrating play. Anyway, they march downfield, 22-17 Chiefs, six minutes to go, basically. First and ten, have a pass play called, no one open, and we get that huge intentional grounding call, making it a second and 20 and kind of deflating our sails on a huge drive. It was a bad call. Am I going to lead the show with that? Am I going to talk about that for 20 minutes on how the refs, you know, screwed over the Bengals, for lack of a better word? No, I will never blame a win or a loss on the refs, even though there's times where I just want to freaking horrible call. I hate the late flag on this one, and it really burned us, but that's not the reason why we lost. So don't, you know, don't go to bed with that in your mind, that the refs messed up our season. That's not the case. There were so many other opportunities to win this game. We punt and let up a huge punt return, but hold them to a three now, and that's and that's when they go up 25-17. And our coverage game on special teams has been top of the league all year. Chase Brown had the tackle, he dove and missed, and everyone else kind of got blocked out, and it was just a huge return. They go up 25-17, now we're eight points down, three minutes to go, and at that point, it's actually the 259 mark because it's burned in my brain. We get word at that point that we will be eliminated with a loss because Pittsburgh just won. All of that is horrible. You're down eight to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. You just find out you could be eliminated with a loss, and you find out it's because the Steelers won. It, that's like the trifecta of nightmares right there, and that's what we got hit with at the three-minute mark in this game. I'm glad the players were unaware of it. Your host was certainly not unaware of it, but I was like, you know what? We've pulled out so much magic. We're going to pull out some more. And then what happens, the offensive line and the pressure just overwhelms us. We have that huge throw to Boyd. And when we hit that, weren't you all thinking like, yeah, the magic is going to continue. We're going we're gonna to do something in this game. And it wasn't enough. That, that was a magical play, though. And Tyler Boyd really showed up at the end of this game. And then we had the jump ball to Higgins at the end. And he was compromised. It wasn't a perfect throw. The Chiefs were all over it. And then we watch Mahomes kneel on the ball and end our season. All right, enough talk about that. So I wanted to talk about the sacks at the end of the game. I don't know why. I don't want to talk about the negative stuff too much, but I figure we owe it to ourselves to analyze exactly what happened. First sack on those last two drives. It was a cover sack. No one was open. Brown eventually lets Karloftis in for a sack. Then the next drive, Mixon misses Reed on a blitz. Killer. Now we're you know, second and long. And then Jonah and Travion misread on a blitz on the next play. Now we're third and long. We eventually get that behind us with that phenomenal play and that phenomenal pass to Boyd. But then you have Brown just beaten by Karloftis again. We see Volson get destroyed by Jones. He had a great game. We were holding back Chris Jones the whole game until the very end. And then the next play, Jones beats Kappa. Even though we had another magical, long, third and long, amazing conversion to Irwin, he was wide open, and it would have been a great play, but Jones got to Browning too quickly because Kappa wasn't able to contain him, and basically the writing was on the wall at that point. 
all right, why did we lose this game? I think the main reason was going for it on that fourth and one from the six-yard line. It changed the whole game from that exact point on. Number two, we couldn't hold a 10-point lead. We were up 17-7, and they slowly just trickled their way back into the game and eventually won it. Number three, another game of letting up explosive plays. Number four, the protection collapsing at the end of the game. And they did a great job up till then. And then just on those last two drives, just everything fell apart. And I just don't understand why. And the number five reason, one of my most hated players in the league, because he ended our season, he ruined a a box Super Bowl bet for me by missing an extra point. This guy just has it out for me. Harrison Bucker, six field goals. I mean, great kicker. But the fifth reason on why we lost this game. So that's it. I was going to go into all the offense and all the defense and all the intricacies and who did well, who didn't do well. Browning is going to be a starter in this league. I love the way he was running tough, resourceful, quick, decisive, throwing well on the run, getting by Gay at the goal line for that one touchdown. He got up after he tripped. You never see a quarterback do that. Just a very agile quarterback. I know the Bengals have him locked up for a little bit because he doesn't have a crude NFL experience. But this guy deserves a big contract somewhere. I just want to get him back for another year just as insurance for Joe Burrow. And eventually we got to let this this diamond of a player fly. And his time will come. A lot of good passes by him. The, the Into Higgins for 19 yards on the first drive. The one pass to Chase where he goes over a corner and in front of the safety. You know, those beautiful throws that I like that are so hard to make because it's not velocity, it's precision. You can't throw it too softly. He had a nice dumped a sample on the move with two guys bearing down on him, scrambling for a first down in the red zone, and then he throws that floater to Hudson. You think he's going to go for the first down, but he flips it over like a total Burrow-Mahomes move there. Threw a couple bullets and a couple nice slants to Hudson that passed to Boyd on the 4th and 18. Jake Browning, I told you six weeks ago that this is your opportunity. You could either snag it and be rich and famous beyond your wildest dreams, or you can melt and just fade into NFL obscurity. And you did exactly what I said you could do. I give you so much credit, and I wish you the greatest career. And again, we'll see you back next year. But man, the future is going to be bright for you, and you did it. You took your opportunity and ran with it. And there's some phenomenal athletes and phenomenal talents that never have the fortitude the intelligence, and the will to do that, and you did, my friend. A couple other things. Receivers banged up the whole game. None of the receivers had huge games. You know, Boyd had a couple catches late. Chase was banged up. Higgins was banged up. You didn't see much of Yosivash or Irwin, unfortunately. A lot of the receptions were by tight ends and running backs. Chase Brown is going to be a force for this team for the next few years. Very excited about him. I love Hudson. you got to bring back Tanner Hudson in free agency. We'll talk about all the offseason stuff later, but I just wanted to give some shout-outs. I thought Karras had the best game of the offensive line. Hendrickson with the game-changing strip sack, as always. He is a force. I'm glad he's going to be here for a couple more years. I thought Miles Murphy was very active. He almost had two sacks in this game. And the last few weeks, the arrow is pointing up for him. So hopefully sophomore year for Miles Murphy is going to be a huge one, and we're going to be happy that we took him with the first-round pick. Hilton with the leadership, the tackling in space, he's a force. I thought the corners had a rough game, all of them, aside from Hilton. Awuzie, Turner, and Britt. 
but we're not going to harp on those guys. I love those guys. Awuzie, I'm not sure if he's going to be back, but Turner and Britt are going to be here for a long time. And if Awuzie comes back, I'll welcome him back with open arms. Dax Hill, we talked about the explosive plays not being a positive, but he showed some really good flashes, and I think he's had a great year. When he chased down Rasheed Rice on that one long play where he burnt Cam Taylor Britt, I couldn't believe how fast Hill got over there. That was like, you know, that's 4-3 speed. And they say, you know, 21 miles an hour, 22 miles an hour. The way he cut across that field, and if you watch it again, it looked like he was running 25 miles an hour. Great range, great play by him. He almost had the sack on Mahomes, but Mahomes has this knack for ditching it at the last second. And the refs have this knack of not calling intentional grounding on him. And he had a nice tackle on Pacheco in space. All right, so that's it. I'm not going to dwell on it. We talked about it. It really was not fun to lose this game and to realize that our season's over, but we haven't had this feeling in a long time. And when Joe Burrow comes back healthy, and I know I keep saying it, we're not going to have that feeling much longer. I mean, think about if Joe Burrow played the last couple weeks, and Browning has been magnificent. You have Burrow in there. We're going to where we want to go, and that's exactly what's happening next year. And that's exactly what's happening next year. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.